0: This side one second, to my friends, but we're all getting sicker. Hey guys, welcome back to Block Channel. We're back for episode 49. We're so close to episode 50, I just realized that seconds before this episode began, what number of this episode was, because I forgot. I always forget right before the episode starts. But we're so close. I don't know who episode 50's guest will be, but hopefully it's somebody really awesome. So I guess I'm going to have to like align with who that person's going to be right after the show ends. But uh, we have a very cool show for you today. Um, we're going to be uh, having a conversation with um, uh, one of my advisors, one of my one of my friends, and I kind of consider him a mentor. He's been helping me a lot as i like gotten started and kind of the 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 VC and sort of like, you know, uh, investing like part of like the crypto space over the past like year. Uh, His name is Kevin Zhao and he is a founder of Galois Capital. Um, And uh, he also does some OTC stuff, uh, some other really cool stuff in regards to like trading in the space. And uh, he's just a very, very smart man. Uh, He has a very interesting background, um, like I think like myself as well. And so we're going to just like kind of just pick his mind and just hang out with him for a little bit and just chat and, and see what he has going on and learn about him and his, his initiatives. Uh, but first, uh, I'm joined again this week by uh, Dimitri Ferguson. Uh, Dimitri, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience for the 49th time?
1: Yeah, uh, 49 times. I'm still Dimitri Ferguson, uh, still uh, <laughs> the founder over at the Bitcoin Podcast Network and uh, co-host of the amazing Block Channel. And um, back again, get to know
0: me. It's forty-nine times now.
1: So. Oh wow,
0: man! We're just we are just getting up there. We're over. There. Oh man, soon we're gonna be at a hundred. That's wild. There's like seasons. Like you can mm-hmm. download this, you and get and syndicated, would like, be like a sizable like
1: weekend.
2: worth the content? You need, you need like seven seasons, right? You get syndication, right? You just get syndicated.
1: So. Oh, you're right. I'm, I'm so close. Mm. I like mm-hmm. season Batman. That was my favorite. Oh I
0: yeah, did. season Batman was one of my favorite ones. Yeah. That one was great. That was sponsored by Zcash. So that was a good time. <laughs> um. Oh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So. Uh, so what we're gonna be talking about today? We're, we're gonna be. We're gonna be talking to Kevin. So. Uh, so. So. So before we get started, let's the audience just go ahead and get an idea of who you are, Kevin. and... Tell us a little bit about your background before you fell into the crypto space and how did you tumble your way through the Bitcoin bears and bull markets to get here with us?
2: Um, yeah, definitely. Well, you know first, uh, really appreciate you guys having me on the show. Um, I guess to start, um, you know I have a background uh, came from you know the financial world uh, started off as a quant. Um, and, uh, you know, mostly just doing research and a lot of quantitative models, math, stats, and, and uh, a bit of coding. Um, and then, you know, afterwards, you know, I thought I wanted to get close to the action. So I took up a quick stint at an equity options uh, prop shop and they did uh market making um, in equity options. Um, and then after that, you know, I joined uh, full time in the Bitcoin space and uh, never looked back. Um, I first, um, you know, came across Bitcoin in uh, 2011. And I was still a quant at the time, but, you know, when I read the white paper, I thought this was, you know, really some mind blowing stuff and really could be uh, really could help shape the future. So, um, you know, really captured my imagination and my interest and, uh, you know, religiously every day uh, when I wake up before I go to bed, always check the markets in crypto, um, you know, always follow Bitcoin uh, for, for now almost over seven years now. Um, and then, um, you know, when, when I was uh, first starting off, you know, there was only Bitcoin. There wasn't any of these altcoins. Um, you know, everybody was just still talking on, you know, Bitcoin Talk, um, and uh, you know, GPU mining was just starting off. I think Art Force was the guy uh, for who first wrote the GPU miner uh, for Bitcoin. And you know, it's been a uh, really long and, in some ways, arduous, but also very exciting journey uh, in this space. Uh, has a lot of ups and has a lot of downs. Um, you know, I, I first, um, you know, for the first two years, I was mostly just trading my own portfolio. Um, and by trading, I mean mostly holding long every once in a while, you know, trying out new ideas, that sort of thing. Um, and then after two years, I joined Buttercoin, uh, which is uh, one of the, I think, very early Bitcoin exchanges. Um, it was the second YC company. Uh, for Bitcoin, the first being Coinbase and, uh, you know, fortunately for Coinbase they did a lot better than we did uh, but this <laughs> is during the time that there was the huge uh, you know, uh, sort of like bubble up in 2013 up to like 1,000, 1,100 and then over the next two years it just completely crashed right, it was a long and cold winter uh, and a lot of crypto companies belly uh, up, including Buttercoin uh, but then, you know, what I was doing for them, uh, you know, I was basically running their OTC trading desk And, uh, you know, after that, you know, with that experience uh, and my equity worth zero, I went uh, over to Kraken and uh, ran there. Good old
0: Jesse Powell. Good old Jesse.
2: Yeah, Jesse's an an awesome guy and a great boss, great boss to work for. Um, And, uh, you know, we worked for him for about two years at Kraken. Um, and you know this is still you know the first part of it first year was still the bear market This is a very long bear market and Mm. uh, you know it uh, you know I I think there was that quote by like Elon Musk or something where he's like you know running a startup or or being in a startup uh, you know is like uh, chewing glass and staring into the abyss and we've definitely had our fair share of that both at Buttercoin and and especially in the earlier parts of my my tenure at Kraken Um, so you know after two years uh, doing OTC trading for them uh, running their desk I uh, decided about, you know, it's about time to go set up shop for myself. And, uh, that's basically the genesis of, uh, Galois Capital. And we basically focus on two different things. The first is, uh, OTC trading and the second is, um, algorithmic market making. So, um, you know, we started putting together this fund, uh, end of March last year. And then, uh, you know, through, setting up the fund, getting bank accounts, getting exchange accounts, building out the tech and the infrastructure, uh, we finally launched the fund January 1st of this year. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, unfortunately this year has been a bear market, but uh, fortunately for us, the nature of um, OTC trading and the, these, you know, a fairly market neutral type strategies uh, is that we're not impacted that much. Um, you know, obviously everybody, uh, the trade sizes um, are notionally are bigger uh, during a bull market. So it is more lucrative during a bull market, but a bear market is still okay. Um, a flat market is generally bad because nobody's trading. Uh, but, you know, so we fared uh, pretty well. And I think we're probably one of the few funds um, from 2018 that is a net positive on re- our returns for investors. So uh, investors are pretty happy about that. Um, so you know that's sort of um, you know that's sort of my journey and you know just a, just sort of like a summary of what we do uh, at Galois.
0: Well, that was my a journey. lot of information, <laughs> that <was. laughs> but that was great. No, that was very succinct. That was everything that we needed to know. I'm so glad to like revisit that. I'm always very impressed when Kevin talks about how how long he's been in the space and and everything that he's done and accomplished. And you know, I remember Buttercoin. You know, that's a good name. You should have just <laughs> managed to just butter. You just bring it back. I like it. But it's spelled like B-E-B-E-R to like fit it in with the millennials. <laughs> Honestly,
2: I thought it was kind of a bad name because this was around the time like Budcoin was getting popular. <laughs> Like, everybody was hating on Bitcoin, right? So there's like a butt coin, and we're like Buttercoin. So I don't know. I, I think th- I think the reason we even went with that name was because like uh, I think that just that domain was available, and we just don't want to pay that much for a lean startup. And we're just like, oh, Buttercoin, and that's the that's the name of the thing, you know. So that stuck with it for for a while. Maybe in retrospect, not the best name, but you know, it was it was what it was.
0: Do you have PTSD from the the bear market from two thousand? <laughs> Like, sorry, and, and that that was a very tough time. Um, for for, me, for everyone. I mean, I was I was broken in college at the time, anyway, So I mean, like I, that was not new to me. But <laughs> like for everyone else, that was like you know uh, very uh, close and personally like indebted to you know, the ethos and the narrative of like Bitcoin and stuff at the time. Like it must have been like a tough period to write it out. Where did you Where did you draw the 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 power and the strength to carry on and to pull through uh, all the way up to this point and you know not get wiped out?
2: Um, Yeah, you know, to be honest, I think by that time it was already okay for me um, because, you know, I I saw the sort of bubble up to 36 bucks and then all the way down to two. And I think in percentage terms, that's even worse than the 2013 bubble. So that was sort of, you know, my experience with my first full-fledged bear market. I was thinking maybe I was completely wrong about Bitcoin. I was, you know, losing sleep. Uh, I'd lost pretty much all my money at that point, right? I mean, 63, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 36 to two, I mean. Uh, and I was just thinking maybe I should, you know, just sell, uh, some just to recover at least some money. Right. And just not, not lose it all. Uh, but you know, thankfully I didn't. Uh, but I think after going through that swing, um, I think the next one, uh, I think there was a smaller bubble in between, which was like, uh, up to like 260 or 250. Um, So then that was the second bubble. And then the third bubble was this um, 2013 bubble.
0: Um, That was already, it's like 1,200, 1,100, something like that. Exactly. And then by that
2: time, I I was so used to it already, and I'd kind of become numb to the swings um, that I don't think it was that bad. But I think that experience was a bit unique in the sense that I was part of a company rather than just looking at my own network, uh, you know, just making tons of money, losing tons of money. Now I was just part of a company and then, you know, going through the day-to-day with everybody, feeling the effects of morale, you know, all that stuff. I think it was, um, you know, definitely a very, uh, very important part of my life. It definitely a really big growing experience for me. And I think it taught me a lot about patience too. Right. Because in the end we came out of that, uh, bear market and things, you know, went up to like 20,000. Right. So I think it just, you know, you gotta be patient about things. you got to work hard and, You know, honestly, during a bear market, if you don't get wiped out is the perfect time to build because everybody was struggling, Kraken, Coinbase, like everybody was struggling. And then the old survivors out of the last bear cycle are now, you know, these gigantic companies that are extremely successful, you know. And, yeah. uh, you know, they, I think there was some VC that said, I forget who it was, but it's like every startup, you have to face certain death at least like two to three times where like everybody believes there's absolutely like no hope. And then that's sort of like the life cycle of the company uh, usually. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think, you know, just going through that, I think it gives you sort of a better stomach for, for this kind of volatility. Uh, but, yeah, obviously it sucks. I mean, the bear markets always suck. You lose a lot of money. But, you yeah, I think I think you're a little bit used to it. You get used to it over time.
1: Nice. Uh, I got a two-part question for you, Kevin. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: the first part: Did you name your company after the famous French mathematician Galois? Um
2: Yeah, See, yeah, we we uh, we did actually. And both Lovely. me and my co-founder, um, we're, we both studied math in school, um, and then also we. Uh, oh, awesome! That's wonderful. Um, and then uh, you know, on top of that, uh, you know, we wanted to um, sort of hire the right people, and we thought about it as a good way to sort of advertise. I mean, the first thing that somebody knows about your company is its name. So we're like, we want to hire a lot of really um, technical, like computer science guys, math guys, physics guys, um, sort of modeling it after a lot of the success cases in the past, right? You look at both places like Renaissance, you look at places like Jane Street, um, you know, there's a lot of learnings, I think, to take away from that. Mm-hmm. And we, we thought, well, you know, that model, you know, they, they were very successful. So if it ain't broke, uh, don't fix it. Um, why not,
1: you know, <laughs> yeah. So, um. for the listeners, go, go Google that guy. You'll learn something. He's <laughs> a great mathematician. Um, but the second part of the question is, you know, bear markets suck all around. For those mm-hmm. that just got into crypto, what, less than a year. Now they're they're in their first one and I don't know, they're probably getting gray hairs, maybe balding a little bit. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But uh, how did you manage your team through that bear market? Like the struggle dealing with morale. Uh, trying to keep everybody anchored down to the same vision, the big vision. You know, how how did you manage that?
2: Yeah, I think um, you know, I think that's a really really good point there. I think it, it's not just that. You know, maybe you have the appetite to kind of stomach the swings, but um, maybe it's somebody else's first. You know, bear market. And you got a lot of people on your team to sort of look after you're responsible for their livelihood, right? So that's a lot of responsibility. Um, and, you know, so they're, they might not be used to it, right? Maybe they come in uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, you know, on, on the bull market. And they're like, oh, wow, this is a great um, industry. Um, There's going to be like a huge career for me here. Everything's like exploding. Everything's going up exponentially. And then to see it as they join, then go down. Um, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, stuff to be taken care of there. You know, you have to set expectations properly. I think with everybody, um, that came in, I told them, you know, uh, nobody really knows in the short term where the market is going to go. I do believe in the space and I do think we're going to get there. Um, but it Mm -hmm. may take some time and there's going to be a lot of, uh, rough waters along the way. So, you know, I said, you know, just, um, you know, I want to make sure that everybody is committed. Um, to at least, you know, staying for a year or two at, at the very least, you know, and I think it's, you know, it's twofold. One is that it's enough time to kind of get a sense of both sides of a bull and bear market, at least a small bear, bear market or a small bull market. Um, and the other is that from a company perspective, as you bring in people, um, you have to train them. They have to get up to speed, especially people who are not crypto people. Maybe they have other skills. They're great developers or they're great uh, traders, but they're not that familiar with crypto. You know, it takes some time, um, to really, uh, you know, you get a hold of that stuff, all this new stuff. So, you know, it, it may not be worth it to train a guy if they're only going to stay for three months or six months, you know? So that's what sort of what we are looking for when we hire is, you know, we want people who are very dedicated. Yeah. Like we have eight people and seven out of seven out of those eight people, don't don't take any salary so everybody is just burning savings um you know they get a healthy compensation in the profit share and and in the equity but i i almost prefer it in a way that people have to make some sacrifice right as a signal as a very unforgeable signal that they're being serious about it because we are right because our
0: opportunity Mm -hmm.
2: so too right and i think in doing it that way you get really great alignment uh, with everybody in the company, everybody's rowing in the same direction. Um, everybody is just very cooperative and helpful with each other, because everybody knows that the boat boat either makes it to land or sinks altogether, right? Everybody's on the same team, you don't have to worry about quote unquote management, um, because you don't need to keep people on task, right? Because either we all drown, or we all make it, right? So I think that creates for uh, a more productive culture. Um, so that's sort of, you know, wh- wh- how we thought about it. Uh, you know, in terms of forming a team. I do want to say one last thing about the name, which is that, you know, mm-hmm. we decided we were going to uh, do a mathematician, but we, it was actually my original thought was Julia. So it was going to either be Julia Mandelbrot or Galois. And I think, um, you know, Mandelbrot would make sense because like there's a lot of stuff in finance, you know, stochastic were related to like all the fractal stuff that he did um, mm-hmm. back in the day. And then, you um, but it's just too much of a mouthful. Nobody wants to pronounce that that many syllables. You know. <laughs> what about Koshy?
1: throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Um,
2: um, and then so it was going to be Julia or uh, Galois. And Julia also had a lot of um, did a lot of work in um, you know with the Julia set in, in Fractal Land, and then also uh, Galois. I think it's less related to finance, but he did a lot of work in uh, Galois fields, uh, Galois theory, uh, more on the algebra side. Yeah. Um, uh, ironically you know algebra does have a lot to do with cryptography um but i didn't really specialize much in algebra i was more of an analysis kind of guy so like uh, real analysis uh, measure theory that sort of stuff so Actually, I don't know much about Galois theory, to be honest, which is kind of funny. We named after Galois. I don't even know much Galois theory, to be honest. So uh, just to, just to do a random quick aside uh, on the math. Stuff. I, c- I could go on from you guys going to need to stop me. He's
1: a badass. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. I like it. I like the yeah. I like the. Rant. It's good. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: You know how he died? By duel. How badass is that? It's not really badass, actually. It's kind of dumb. I would not duel somebody, but that's... That's bad. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you
2: know what's funny is that in a way it's really bad to name it after Galois because Galois didn't live beyond twenty. He died in his uh, when he was twenty. So yeah. it's like, oh, oh don't that. die by
0: twenty twenty, Gal.
2: That's what I'm saying, right? Are we just gonna have fun? Maybe that's not a you know, that's not a good name, you know. Oh so, no, uh, yeah, whoops, you know. But yeah, it was kind of stupid. Uh, dying in a duel was kind of stupid. Uh, yeah. They they had different um, mores and sentiments back then. Yeah.
0: Oh eloquent when you explain things, Kevin. <laughs> oh I appreciate that man. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So so what's been uh what's what's been something you've been looking at in the markets and what what, what have you what have you liked about the markets and, and as far as like regulatory and sentiment, um, uh, developer sentiment, like, you know, you you said it yourself, you believe in where everything is going here. And, you know, at least you tell your team in the you know, bear market, you know, wait a year, two years, get a, get an idea of these market cycles, how they work and, you know, how they shake people out and kind of like expand and grow again. But like, how do you think about the current condition in the space and like, do you think we're pending, uh, trending currently in a very positive direction?
2: Um, I think uh, in terms of development, um, you know, things are way more advanced than they, you know, today than they were even a couple of years ago. So I think definitely, in terms of actually people building stuff, we're heading in the right direction. Uh, overall, you know, obviously, there's going to be some failed experiments here or there. Um, in terms of price, though, I'm actually pretty pessimistic, to be honest, you know, and I think um, I don't, you know, barring anything like the ETF getting approved, uh, and like tripling the price like almost overnight, I would say that, you know, you're not really seeing where the next Piece of demand is going to come from. And at the same time, you know, you have this kind of microstructure problem where. All these funds that are started up in 2017 and 18 are in a lot of these really illiquid assets, right? And uh, their lockups are going to expire, right? Usually the fund, the way a fund works is that um, the investors can't redeem the funds for a year and it's a one year lockup. So the 2017 funds, they're going to have their lockups expire this year and 2018 funds are going to have their lockup expire next year. So, you know, whenever the lock-up lockups expire, investors are going to start redeeming and When they redeem in cash, you have to liquidate out of some of your holdings, and I think you know, given the liquidity in the market, especially in a bear market, um, it's really hard to get out of assets. You know, getting in is hard. Uh, getting out is just as hard. Um, and I arguably getting out is harder because if you went into ICOs, there's just a fixed price that everybody else gets in at, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. liquid <laughs> anyway, it's it's fairly liquid, right? But getting out, you know, there has to be a market and there has to be some appetite to buy those coins from you. There has to be someone else on the other side. And in a bear market, that's just tough, right? Markets going down and spreads are getting wide and order books are getting thinner um so i think you could see some cascade effects on that because like if you own like 10 percent in circulating supply of a coin and then someone else owns five percent then you liquidating your holdings are going to affect their mark to market on their nav uh, which is net asset value uh for the next month and their investors are going to get pissed off so then they start liquidating and then that causes another funds investors to get pissed off and so on and so forth so i think it's um you know you could start seeing some cascade effects when the funds start Heavily redeeming their illiquid assets. So short term pessimistic uh, borrowing an ETF. um, Long term, um, this is like a permable, you know, after after four bubbles, but, you know, Bitcoin and crypto still here and it's higher than it ever has been, at least within any three year rolling window backwards. It's always been higher. Right. So long term, still very positive.
0: Yeah, and we're still like waiting for like the scalability for dApps and individuals and kind of the trend that I've seen is a lot of folks that did ICO and stuff, they are building their projects, but they're also waiting for like other concurrent projects, say like Aragon working on governance stuff or another company working on like state channel stuff, or they're basically they're working for all these little modular pieces to come together for them to like actually like do what they're going to do next. So they're like, they're like six months out. So at the same. So recently, myself personally. I found myself being still very bullish on the space, but more so on companies that are building the infrastructure and utility, middleware, things like that, you know, on the equity end, but also uh, more so on, like, the launch of, like, new public chains and, like, assets that are going to bring more liquidity that have some sort of novel semantic, like, utility that, like, I think is a decent technology. Because, um, yeah, that's, that's those sort of act like steroids that, like, kind of get new sort of, like, speculative investors and retail interested. Whereas, like, if you actually have something of decent utility and it's, like, another public chain asset, like, that's a way to, like, have a quick, like, sort of infusion and another way to be more performant compared to, like, other sort of maybe funds or, like, firms uh, that you're competing against. Um, so, you know, I think it's really the ball game is like, you know, as you said, like switch people are like thinking about things strategically looking at their redemption periods and stuff that are coming up, looking at where they need to put their money and everyone's just sort of being really kind of apprehensive and sort of like everything's just on ice until, you know, the volume is there and the volume continues to grow. Um, but the prices are saying like otherwise and because no one's really concentrating their wealth because no one because like so much money keeps coming out as quickly as it's coming in. Um, but that's sort of been my perspective.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree on that, especially about the the point about infrastructure, because it's Mm -hmm. like you have all these um apps, right, that are sort of waiting for scaling on, let's say, Ether, right? And Mm -hmm. the moment that they come out with like proof of stake and uh, sharding and contingent on it working, um, that frees up. Uh, you know, this congestion problem, the crypto kitties problem, mm-hmm. it's driving up the gas costs, right? And then it makes a lot of other things possible where otherwise they would get priced out, right? Like, mm-hmm. imagine, like, right now, you know, there's so much congestion, it's sort of like whatever is the thing that's willing to pay the highest fees is pricing out everybody else because everybody else is only marginally willing to pay much lower transaction fees to get those mm-hmm. contracts executed, right? But if you drive down this, the cost massively, like, if you look at electricity, electricity is used for a whole bunch of different things. Your microwave uses Your fridge uses it. Um, You know, it can be used for many things because relatively, its cost is super low, right? And the marginal benefit for anything using electricity is super high, right? So, like, it needs to be like that. The transaction fees need to be low enough that many, many different things can use it Mm -hmm. and not, not, not make it congested. So, I definitely agree. There's a lot of infrastructure that needs to be built, but I, you know, I also think, you know, being a little bit of a a pessimist here, that you know, the Mm -hmm. real problem is that. You know, you can make a lot more money just running an ICO than doing open source development, right? Like some oh, yeah, of of valuable yeah. pieces of technology, people are building for free and slowly, and then they have all the incentive in the world to just do an ICO and make money a lot faster, right? Um, so I think that, you know, there's there's this real problem about, you know, um, the incentive structure about actually building infrastructure, because that's not fun, right? And it's very dry stuff, but it's necessary. and All these projects are contingent on infrastructure being built. You know, so I think it's a really important piece, um, but the incentives are a bit uh, a bit wacky right now. Mm-hmm.
1: I think ICOs just kind of take advantage of that. Like that, they they they're toxic, and they take advantage. They're not all toxic, but I think they take advantage of the fact that new retail investors kind of want to feel like a part. They're sure. they're part of what they invest in, mm-hmm. and that's myself included. Like I love the fact that I can look at my own little personal portfolio and like, yeah, I got Fang stock in there. Yeah, you like what Amazon's doing? I do, too. I, I like. I feel like I'm a part of it. And I think ICOs kind of took advantage of that vein and ran things a little wild at the end of 2017. So mm-hmm. that's my yeah, two cents. Definitely.
2: Yeah, I mean, the market's going to take its course. I mean, at the end of the day, it's because there was such a huge demand for these tokens that people did more and more ICOs, you know. So in a way, you, you kind of have to give the market what it wants, even if it's not really that rational right cuz at, at a level it is rational right the market just sometimes demands weird things right i mean just yeah, the
0: market can be irrational and that just yeah. seems rational
2: <laughs> it's like um, you know like that whole craze where everybody was doing solar you know and then all those companies went bankrupt it's like that cuz like the market is saying solar is the thing and then you you know the market wants it and then people have to provide it basically right um even though maybe doing solar back then uh you know with Solyndra and all that stuff maybe it was just too premature right but, you know, the market asked for it, so people provided it. So I think that's um, that's kind of how it goes, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Do you think so what that... Sort of, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, Kevin, do you think that Bitcoin's always going to be, like, the, the, the main driver of everything? Do you think, or is it just a question of utility? If there's another token, you know, that's significantly decentralized, well-distributed, it, it, it can usurp Bitcoin and Bitcoin will go the way in MySpace. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's totally possible. I mean, who knows what the future holds? Um, I think the market is pretty fair and that you know, Bitcoin right now is over 50% dominance. I think the market is saying we well, probably greater than 50% chance that Bitcoin is gonna be the one, but that still leaves a lot of room, right? Even 60-40, I mean, 40% is a huge percent, right? Mm-hmm. So I think um, the market reflects future probabilities. That's how I think about it, right? It's like, if you take things out and you draw them out into the future, you look at all the different paths things could take, um, then the current price is reflective of the expected value of those paths, right? So, I mean, you know, I like Bitcoin, um, but you know, who knows? Maybe somebody could come up with a better Bitcoin, you know, maybe some, somebody, maybe it is about, um, you know, Ethereum or it's about computation, right? Maybe it's not about store value. Maybe it's about utility, um, or maybe it's handshake. Maybe it's handshake, right? I mean,
0: <laughs> I just want to throw that out there.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally, definitely. Yeah, it could be any of those things, right? Um, I, I pers- the reason I personally like Bitcoin is because I think it's one of the safer bets. You know, we're already in sort of the Wild West, and it's the blue chip in the Wild West. And I just, you know, I just don't really like risk too much. And I think, you know, it's come through a lot. You know, you know, there's the altcoin boom in 2014. There was like Mega Coin, Quark, Feather Coin, all those guys and you know bitcoin's still here um and then there's the blockchain craze of 2015 and 16 everybody's doing blockchain not bitcoin and then you know bitcoin is still here and then there was like that fork attack you know well not even a attack depending on who you ask but you know some people prefer bitcoin cash some people prefer bitcoin and then you know bitcoin is still here after that and now after all this ICO stuff um bitcoin is regaining dominance and it's still here um so you know I think it's it's pretty stable and it's pretty you know kind of already in, a bit entrenched, um, you know, a bit adopted already, um, you know, with, you know, more merchants accepted than any, anything else, even though they are getting priced out by higher fees. Um, so, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, maybe what Bitcoin will eventually be relegated to is some type of real-time growth settlement system between, you know, different Bitcoin institutions or credit unions. And everybody, every credit union just issues out credit to their individual uh, constituents, and then everybody just trades on these um, on these credits. And then uh, and that's centralized. But at the secondary secondary layer and then at the top layer, um, everybody just the the credit unions and the banks just settle among themselves uh, with Bitcoin. Right. Instead of going through the central bank to settle bank to bank, they just settle directly on chain. So it's totally possible that in a in a bitcoinized world that really bitcoin replaces the function of central banks rather than banks themselves right so um and then alternatively there could be some medium of exchange coin and everybody just uses that for transactions and then bitcoin is more like gold and it's rarely moved around you know um or it could just be that you know something entirely takes over bitcoin and the better medium of exchange thing just starts to accrue more store value properties and then bitcoin it becomes the myspace so i think all of those things are possible but I think, you know, that's one reason that, um, you know, when I, when I worked at Kraken, I, I, I joke with Jesse, I said, you know, my actual job is just to watch my money. You know, my side job is working here at Kraken. It just happens <laughs> to watch my money if I work in the space. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's sort of, you know, that's sort of how I think about it, right? Like that's why I want to be a part of the the, the ecosystem because like no matter what happens, you know, we'll be there to watch it happen and then we'll be able to adapt, you know. So that's how I think about it. That's a long-winded way of –
0: given my thoughts no no it's great man you always get great advice is why you're a great advisor <laughs> it's always it's always it's always very zen it's very uh very wise so um so dimitri uh, yeah. do you have any questions for uh kevin in relation to like maybe like his firm or you know the management of it or anything in relation to i don't know how it might differ from a normal company or anything before we get out of here, anything we can impart upon the audience that we, you know, we can deliver on them knowledge. Um, I'd
1: say we could, we could take a second just to educate the audience. Cause I know we get some of these questions in our Slack over at our network about what OTC trading is. Cause there's a lot of people in this, in, in this uh ecosystem that don't even know what it is. And so maybe if you could, you know, succinctly give, give a tidbit of education to, to the listeners you know what otc trading is and what it does
0: um, otc trading with kevin zow
1: yeah <laughs> kevin zow like, <laughs> 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 yeah the
2: production quality is like this is like a, a great production quality um it's up so yeah so um Can you so want OTC- to get
1: one more one more pass at it hold up we have two versions of the Hold up. kevin zow
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> okay It's like Dingo and the baby from like
1: Family
2: Guy. <laughs> oh, that's great. Man. You guys need like one of those sound effect boards, and then like, oh god, also- I don't want to be
0: one of those guys. <laughs> Push a button it's like a different sound effect. You know? <laughs> I just want like pre-recorded like sound. But it's like push a blockchain. You know? <laughs> 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 People do it because it's fun. Like all
1: shows end up having one because you it just, just it's just so much different- fun. You get all like the prominent
2: like crypto people, right? So you get like Roger, you get like uh, Vitalik, you get everybody, and everybody says a line, you know. Like one guy <laughs> says blockchain, one guy says like Bitcoin, one guy says Ether. he was playing like, on the soundboard. I think that'd be great, actually. Oh
0: man, we gotta we gotta work on that. That's, <laughs> that's the,
1: that <laughs> it smart. wouldn't be the first time I've thought about that. It wouldn't be the first time. Well,
0: well, yeah. So so Kevin, so uh yeah. So quickly, so, yeah, OTC what's, trading, yeah. what's OTC trading for the audience? What is that?
2: yeah so um otc trading it stands for uh over the counter and uh basically what it means is that um instead of going to exchanges to go buy and sell bitcoin um you go to uh, a desk like ours uh, and there's a few others um you know in the world um and you basically can trade a large block of crypto um you know with very little uh price impact so what i mean by that is you know normally when you go through an order book on an exchange Um, you're not, you know, if you trade like 10 bitcoins, most of the time, you're not going to get the full 10 bitcoins at the best bid, right? You're going to get the best bid, maybe the second best bid, maybe you're going to even roll down to the third best bid. So there's a lot of the the slippage effect where your blended average price is worse than, uh, you know, what the top level price is showing. So, um, you know, doing things OTC, um, allows you to get better execution on larger sizes. So for example, if you wanted to trade, uh, with us a million dollars worth of Bitcoin, we could probably get it done at about 40 basis points, which is um, 0.4%. And that's all inclusive. So there's no fees. Um, th- there's only the markup on the spread, which is um, you know 0.4 uh, from basically the mid price or the spot price. Um, so I think it's a lot cheaper to do things OTC um, if the size is uh, big enough. The minimum trade size for us is 100 grand. And I know other desks have different minimums. Um, so if you're looking to do some, you know, a big, uh, trade, then, you know, I think OTC is the way to go for smaller trades. Exchanges are just easier and uh, you're not going to get too much price impact anyway.
0: Do you ever find that large amounts of like OTC trade volumes usually sort of like indicate some sort of like potential, like signal for a run up in like price or like a bull run? Or do you think it's really like, there's no real correlation there? Um, it really depends. So sometimes and sometimes not. So like I would say most of the
2: time, 90% of the time, it's just happening concurrently. When everybody mm-hmm. is like bidding up the market, then everybody's buying from us. When, when everybody's dumping into the market, at the same time, people are dumping through us. Um, but I think every once in a while. You know, depending on who it is, like let's say it's a very sophisticated counterparty. And usually they, you know, they either have some kind of trading signal or they're just very sophisticated and, and, you know, ahead of the curve. And you see that they're starting to dump. Well, maybe then you think in your mind, okay, maybe market is about to downturn. Maybe these guys are ahead of the curve. So um, I would say that um, the way that we, we talk about it is that instead of saying that they're sophisticated, it's synonymous with saying that their flow is toxic. So what I, what I mean by that is, you know, if a miner wants to sell through you a miner isn't usually speculating on the price you know they have electricity costs that they need to pay in dollars they need to keep the lights on they have workers to pay so they're just like every day if they sell a 100 bitcoin then that's like you know there's not very toxic right but like if like you know really sophisticated shop right renaissance or, or jane street you know they come up to you and say i want to sell like five million dollars worth of bitcoin well you know maybe they know what's up right maybe they know something that you don't know maybe they're just smarter about their strategies well then that's really toxic right so then like In the first case with the miner, we could just warehouse the risk and we can wait for matching counterflow. Um, With, you know, the really sophisticated uh, trading counterparty, we have to hedge very aggressively. The moment they sell to us, we need to sell. The moment they buy from us, we need to buy, right? And we need to cover exposure very aggressively and maybe even overhedge our position, right? Where, Where in the former case, we're under hedging, maybe just warehousing some risk on the books. In the latter case, we need to hedge our exposure and then maybe over hedge our exposure uh, to join them on the same side after them. Um, So I think that's sort of, you know, how we think about toxicity and sophistication um, among the trading counterparties that we deal with.
1: Did you guys take notes on that audience? Hope you did. Hopefully they
0: did. That was that was free advisory right there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Listen, um, but yeah, advice. I'm not your financial advisor. Don't. Sue he's not your financial me.
0: advisor. Don't yeah. don't take anything. <laughs> Kevin has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. He's not. <laughs> I just can tell clearly. He's like just rehearse this. It's yeah. all a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah so so thank you kevin i really do appreciate you coming on to like talk about what you do and and, you know because there's multiple facets like crypto it's not just people building software applications there's also people building on ramps and like actual like you know sound trading strategies and like proving to institutional investors and you know lps and folks out there that like it makes sense to have like diversified like assets and like wealth like in the crypto space and you know that this industry is something that's going to be moving forward and that there's a lot more moving pieces than just like I said software engineering more than just, um, you know, writing articles on Medium. It's more than just, you know, there's real company building. There's real value being created here in the back end. And um, thanks for educating the audience on um, a little bit about what that's like.
2: Yeah, yeah, really appreciate that. And, um, you know, I think you really put it really kindly You know, um, you know, saying that because you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I just buy and sell stuff. You know, most other people, they're really doing the building. You know, all the developers, you know, building all these open source projects. You know, they're really taking the space to the, I think, the next level. I I just move money around, right? It's just a capital. (laughs) I just buy. I, I try and buy stuff cheaper than I sell it, so you know definitely Not, I'm not not a jesus figure here you know I leave it to hey, everybody but you
0: are moving money from people who are like basically moving their faith in and out of crypto too so you sure. basically you're like that vehicle so you've become fiat yeah it's like a two way
2: conveyor <laughs>
0: the system you know money goes out money goes in where the we're the conveyor
2: belt i guess so
0: i mean you're the gatekeeper there's there's a gatekeeper in heaven there's a gatekeeper <laughs> in hell and somewhere kevin's there and he's telling you to sell <laughs>
2: well, I've, I've, never, I've never given it trading advice no 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 way, <laughs> no way. <laughs> i just
0: wanted to say something that rhymed i don't <laughs> <laughs>
2: If anything, you know, people should be buying, but no, really don't, don't even do that. Just don't even. Don't even
0: do that. Don't, 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 do, that. Anything don't do anything, Kevin.
2: Trading <laughs> advice at all. You should do what you feel like is the right thing to do. But, uh, de- but definitely, you know, really appreciate, uh, being on the show, man. Um,
0: you know, it's always. Yeah, hopefully, you know, if these bears don't slaughter us and if these, we can ride these bulls into the sunset, you know, come on back here and we'll talk about what happened. All right. Um, that sounds maybe good. Buy all electric fleet of Lambos or maybe we'll all be homeless, you know, whatever. We'll talk about it. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right, man. We're literally in a superposition. It's like Schrodinger's cat, right? But we're like yeah. in a superposition between being homeless and driving Lambos. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's,
0: that's the perfect
1: definition of uh, what it feels yeah. like. <laughs> all
0: right. Well, thank you very much, Kevin. Appreciate your time, buddy. And you have a great evening.
2: Yeah, I really appreciate it, guys. Yeah, you take it easy.